Hello Natural News listeners, this is episode number seven of the Highlight Series. We have three amazing health professionals, each making waves in their own fields. They all put out amazing content in the form of online and in-person courses, videos and books. Before each segment, I'm going to introduce them and just let you know how to reach them and find out more about their work. First up is Don Clum. He's going to talk to us about the striking health benefits of fasting, both in the short and the long term. You can get more information about Don and his approach called insulin friendly living in the show notes. One of the major drivers of all of the ill feelings and symptoms we see during fasting is a detox reaction that's going on. And it's mostly from oxalates in the body coming from plant-based foods and plants. So if you are going to do a longer fast and you want to get that out of your system, possibly go through any ups and downs prior to fasting at the same time, you can, I would start two weeks before, cut out the, the at least the high oxalate foods. You can look them up online or plants in general as you roll into that. Same thing with fiber because fiber expands, it's an irritant in the gut. I'm not a big fan of it, and it can cause some distress early in a fast or when you're coming off a fast if you, if you jump onto fiber too soon, just like astringent oils or some uh, spices as well. Other thing you can do is if, if you're going to fast and do a water fast and you're not going to do coffee, get off coffee a good week ahead of time. Yeah. You don't want to be dealing with both of those at the same time. It's a very big variable as far as that goes. And then three to yeah, I mean, even even my small three day fasts, you know, I I I t the week before I quit coffee just to not have to deal with that as well, you know. Yeah, both of them together, man, that that's trouble. If you do a longer fast, we have seen with working with a lot of people now and myself included that if you do a longer fast, as in two weeks or longer, at some point you most people lose a taste for coffee altogether anyway. Mm. So they might, if they know they're doing a longer fast, they might start with coffee as what we call a crutch to help them get through something rather than break a fast. They know that in time the body's going to revert to water anyway. It loses a taste for a lot of things like broth and and even salts and and coffee just naturally when you're on it long enough. Your energy technically, when it's measured, goes up a little bit when you start to fast. It goes up about 15% with your adrenaline and, and things like that because it makes you alert. You got to think in evolution, if we didn't have food, our body got us ready to find it, so we get it. If it went tired and headache and can't mm. think every time we skipped a meal, we'd be extinct a long time ago, right? So it, 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 the alertness goes up. You've just recently posted a, a lovely thing. It says, you don't lose weight to get healthy. You get healthy to lose weight. Absolutely. And I thought that was so powerful. And um, uh, yeah, I just think the way that that's put across is, is fantastic. And so people are looking at the symptom again, you know, as the, as the weight gain, as, as the problem. But it's actually not. It's a health issue. And that's just the, the end result of it. If, if weight loss is the goal... You can lose weight and not change your health or even make it worse. In my opinion, there are unhealthy ways to lose weight, mm. even if that scale drops. Just like with diabetes, type 2 diabetes, you can lower that blood sugar number even into a normal range with foods, supplements, medications, exercise, whatever you want. But if you don't change the, the physiology that was driving it, that person's still diabetic and still gets all the complications just with a lower blood sugar number. Nicole Dawson Cullinan is a classically trained homeopath and functional medicine practitioner. She has written three books, Wild Spring, Wild Autumn and Wild Summer, 
Weeds as Food, Medicine and Inspiration. The links for these are in the show notes. We are part of nature, all of us. Um, we're part of this big ecosystem. Um, but sometimes we don't always feel very connected. Yeah. And, you know, that disconnection, I think, generally comes because we, we live, uh, we work, we relax in artificial environments. And, um, but I also think the disconnection can come as a result of stress, um, you know, as a result of traumatic experiences, mm. um, as a result of, yes, maybe um, bad news or the loss of a loved one or um, yeah, even chronic stress so, or disease and illness. So, you know, I think that disconnection can be, it can come, you know, acutely or it can kind of um, evolve very, very slowly yeah. until you reach a point where you go, hang on, like, where am I? What am I doing? I think that that the the experience of nature immersion is uh, multidimensional yeah. for our yeah. nervous systems. So it's it's we we it's our sight, it's what we smell, so it's what we see, what we smell, what we can taste, touch, feel. You know, it's it, it's a multidimensional sensory experience. Doctors that are you, that are making prescriptions. Uh, nature prescriptions uh, for their patients. And it's, it's uh, essentially especially good for people with mental health issues, but it is good for everybody. Um, and so the in terms of like how much do, time do we need to spend in nature, people often, you know, we have busy lives and people want to schedule things in. And so what they, what they said is that, or what the research, the findings of the research was that uh, if you spend at least two hours a week um, in nature, that is uh, a minimum of 20-minute sessions, um, daily sessions. So those people that spent that amount of time in nature, um, and these are green spaces and blue spaces, so it's it's a vegetation plus it's the, um, you know, the sea and, and water bodies as well. Um, these people reported greater health and well-being. A weed is a plant that's growing in the wrong place, or maybe it's um, it wasn't planted. It's unintended. Uh, it appears somewhere. It pops up somewhere, and it um, you know if it if it's thriving, it, it takes over. But so a weed is a judgment basically. But weeds also at some point become flowers. So if you hang around long enough, uh, the moral of the story is that you know you might be surprised as to what this weed becomes and what you can do with it, and so. I often, um, you know, it makes me think of when you mention biodiversity, uh, it makes me, I'm, I'm very, very aware of how the external world, our environment outside of us, mirrors our internal world, um, meaning our, our human microbiome. And um, so what we see, and this is the point that I sort of came at the wise weeds concept, I came at this point of my interest in the human microbiome and treating patients that had a lot of immune issues that were linked to, let's say, an overactive immune system and autoimmune um, conditions and linked back to the uh, gut function. And and, and that links back to our, our diet, really. And so, you know, our microbiome is a, a, an ecosystem 
of, yeah. of bacteria, both good and bad, and microbes, not just bacteria, but a whole ecosystem. And they feed off um, the food we eat. So if our diet is very far, if our food repertoire is very limited and it doesn't contain plant foods and it doesn't contain a variety of plant foods, including those wild foods and the plant wild foods that we call weeds, um, you can have all sorts of dysfunction in the diversity of the microbiome. The rainbow diet is something which for a long time I've recommended to my patients, but I've taken it now one step further where, yes, you try to eat all the different colors of the rainbow from a variety, a diverse variety of plant foods, but you can also now include wild foods. And, and it's just, mm. for me, it's so amazing to see the color that comes in these weeds, like the wild violet, which is purple and the, and the, um, 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 I just think of the Dutch word now, the dandelion, which is yellow. And, you know, you get all these different colors that come through and, you know, they're cocktails of chemicals. Herbs, you know, the herbs per se are cocktails of chemicals, but these foods that we know that have medicinal um, properties, they're even more, um, you know, unique and potent in, in their ability to, to heal us. Lawrence van Lingen is the founder of Inner Runner, his concepts and approaches have helped many elite and everyday runners rediscover their fluid inner runner. I've included a link to his flow rope YouTube uh, exercise as well as his Instagram feed. When you run, you end up stacking, you, you use your entire body. It might not feel so, you might feel like, oh, my quads are burning, but you know, every single joint is stacked on top of another. And, and you know, when we get into working with with runners, a lot of what we're doing is teaching people stack and how to stack their bones and also how to move from the center out. Um, and a, a lot of that, when people get it right, you know, like small variances in your toe actually create like a, you know, if your forefoot pronates, your shoulder moves out the way. If, you know, if your head is over your foot, you're more stable. So this, this elegant dance and running is very, very, very complex. And I think um, there's nothing quite like it. Exercise is the greatest anti-inflammatory in the world and the greatest antioxidant in the world. Nothing, nothing comes close to the anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties of, of exercise, of running or exercise. Yet we, we as human, because we have a brain <laughs> that rationalizes things and, and can mess anything up, um, we can often make exercise and turn it into an inflammatory act, activity, not an anti-inflammatory activity. And I think we need to learn to move well and move kindly and, and respect our body. And, our and you think that's, is that because we're just doing too much of it or we're just doing it incorrectly? I, I think you can't separate motion and emotion. So I think it's actually really important um, how you think and how you feel when you exercise. I worked with a, an elite elite guy, he's one of the greatest of all times and he had like multiple career ending injuries. And one of the things I said, look, you can work on meditation. And his wife packed out laughing. She says, you're not going to get this guy to meditate. He can't sit still for three, for three minutes, right? And I think with meditation, um, you can't think of nothing. No one can, right? So, so let's say there's some techniques where you focus on your breath. I think for people that like running, you like movement. And what I do with elite athletes or athletes is, is, turn running into a meditation because it's you 
you notice how your body moves and that gets you out of your head and your argument. And so much of your body's moving, it's, it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's delightful. So this guy went from hating meditation, but when he realized movement was meditation, mm. um, he loved it. And, and so um, we kind of touched on this earlier before this conversation. Is like I'm, I'm really big on semantovisceral movement. I think it's a movement that's deficient in our modern society. Uh, certainly the Western culture, and that's slow, soft spinal movements. And so, you know, before you go out the, the door, we'll do an example now um, and do some somatovisceral movement. And then when you run, you'll have a much better connection with your spine, with your center, uh, with movement, and it's distracting. It's like instead of chewing on an argument with your work colleague or your spouse or whoever you, you know, a lot of people are, in this day and age, because of social media, people are very polarized and feel very aggrieved by externalities and running you don't want to run around focusing on those externalities you need to focus on the internal and running in nature is extraordinary because that your eye movements the tracking of your head you hear a sound and you look um i don't know if you know like in, in do you know what em well you probably do but some people might not know but emdr the um is, is like a technique in psychology where you watch a light from the left to the right and while you're doing it, you, you recount a traumatic experience and it's very, very helpful and healing for, for a lot of people for, for trauma. You know, if you have a skilled therapist guiding you through a previously traumatic event, it helps you sort of get it off your chest or out of it, you know. Um, but that was formulated when a, a therapist was walking to, in Stanford, was walking and realized when she, she walked, I think it was she walked through nature and a, she was much calmer and she could present and she had much less anxiety when she was lecturing. Whereas if she went from office across the hallway, that was not the case. And she says, well, what is it that I do in nature? And she realized her eyes track from left to right. Mm. And, and so now we've monetized it and bottled it, you know, with, <laughs> you know, what happens to going for a walk in nature with your friend and getting stuff off your chest, you know, just, yeah, yeah shooting the breeze, you know, they're like the poor man's therapy and it's, it's remarkably effective. Running is two and a half to three and a half times your body weight through that leg. So the difference between walking barefoot and running barefoot is, is extraordinary. And you've got to be very, very careful running barefoot. And, and also our environment. Like there's very few places that are actually safe to run barefoot. There's, there's glass. There can be needles. Um, you know, I've got someone, oh, I run barefoot in the golf course. Well, that's amazing to realize how much Roundup and Weed Killer they put in the golf course. And you come back with like, you know, inflamed feet. Um, and so it's very, very, it's, it's, it's a blessing to be able to run barefoot. I mean, like a, a nice beach is one of the environments, but you know, Laguna beach where we walk, which is pretty safe. We've often found shards of glass, um, and sharp glass too. And you know, you slice your tendons of your foot and you are in big trouble. You, you step on a pebble and it hits a sesamoid bone at your big toe and you, or you fracture your sesamoid. I mean, you are in a world of pain for a very, very long time. And so, um, Barefoot running is amazing. It should be approached with caution and respect because the, the consequences of getting these plant, like a plant to play foot tear is, is, is really, really something that most people battle to overcome. Thanks for listening. Next week will be the last in our highlight series. That'll be number eight. And then we can all look forward to season three. And I've already started to record some of those guests. So we'll have some amazing and inspirational guests for you in the near future.